even my dad made the joke of like I came home from school one day I'm like nobody wanted to play with me at recess he's like so what did you do and I'm like I was just throwing a basketball against the wall and then it hit me square in the face he's like oh so the ball didn't want to play with you either or the wall and I'm like dad <laughs> why you're listening to now what a podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience For those going through hard times or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha. Hi, and welcome back to Now What? I'm Jen. And I'm Tisha. Today, we are here with Sinead, who actually filled out one of our guest applications, which of course you are welcome to do if you feel so inclined. And we love it when you do. And we love it when you do. And we thought that she had an interesting story. So we invited her to come on and share her story with you all today. Hi, Sinead. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll get you to sort of share your story? Sure. So I'm Sinead. I am an advocate for those with disabilities and especially those who need service dogs. I'm an ambassador for the Rick Hansen Foundation and I live in the community. That we all live in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Sinead is in the neighborhood. I am driven by her house. Always watching. (laughs) I'm like Gladys Kravitz. (laughs) Amazing. She knows everything that's going on. When you you change your flag, when you don't change your flag, when your gate's (laughs) open, when it's not open. Not that I'm like creeping. I just walk by there a lot. By walk, I mean like limp. But that's besides the point. Um, Can you, just because I don't, what is the Rick Hansen Foundation? The Rick Hansen Foundation was started by Rick Hansen. It's because you're American. Um, but so Rick Hansen is a Canadian hero along the lines of Terry Fox, who's, okay. who's actually his friend. And yep. basically he was in an accident when he was a teenager and he essentially had a spinal cord injury, became paralyzed and then decided, oh, I'm going to show the world that people with disabilities can do what people without disabilities can do except I think he did it on a bigger scale and right. something most people without disabilities would never do. And he like wheeled across the world in his wheelchair. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So um, now he has a foundation and it's all sorts of different programs. Like they have a school program where ambassadors go and speak. They have um, research that they fund for spinal cord injury, stuff like that. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, it must be because I'm American. Then I go. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that most, I don't know. Most Canadians have heard of Rick Hansen. Okay, probably well, from the um, from the school program because I definitely remember having this program come into my school when I was a kid. Well, currently twenty percent of our listeners are not Canadian. Yeah, so it's good to clarify. We got it. Yeah. Well, I'm all about the education. There it's you okay. go. Yeah. So, Sinead, talk to us about um, you and your story and why you felt compelled to want to be on the show. Okay. Well, it's always so awkward when I have to start this, but basically I was born (laughs) with a really, 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 really rare condition. And, you know, I've been through some stuff as everyone in their life has, but like very specifically things related to me per se, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So basically when I was born, I was put up for adoption and that was because like my biological mother couldn't care for me, which... I'm grateful she put me up for adoption because considering the expenses related to my condition and just like what I've been through, it's a lot for anybody to go through, but if you don't have the means to do it, what do you do then? Right. But now, Mm -hmm. now was it, so was it clear that you had a condition when you were born or no? It wasn't, it wasn't, they didn't know what I had, but like, it's a physical difference. So like my whole right side is bigger. Okay. So when I was born, all she knew was that my leg was bigger and I had like this giant birthmark on it. And that's all they knew. So then I got put into foster care right after that because I had medical problems. So I guess that's what happens. If like you have medical problems and you're already being put up for adoption, they put you in foster care. That way you get your like appointments and stuff and they take you. Yep. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I was really little. But I grew up in sick kids pretty much. And I just like as far back as I can remember going to sick kids, like even when I was a toddler, my mom told me that when I reached about like two or three, like she didn't drive at the time. She didn't start driving until I was like four. She's like, we'd get off the subway, get out 
of like the subway station and you'd start screaming because you, you saw you saw the hospital. hospital. Yeah. So and you knew what that happens. meant. Oh God, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so hard. It is life. It's life. Yep. But yeah, so I grew up a pretty normal life. With a pretty normal life. Um, I went to school in the area, and wasn't until kindergarten even that I really even realized anything was different about me other than I go to the hospital a lot Mm -hmm. and there's actually a trend on TikTok right now it's like oh tell me about a teacher who's done you wrong and I'm like hold my phone (laughs) I had a teacher in kindergarten kindergarten was just a bad time like people are like oh grade six is so bad for me and I'm like let me tell you so like kindergarten, the teacher singled me out in front of the whole class, the music teacher. And she was like, why is your leg bigger? Like, cause I couldn't even cross my leg. That's how much bigger it is. And it was longer and everything. And I don't know, it just came to me. I'm like, it's where I store my snacks. <laughs> That's like the perfect kindergarten. So you've there. always had a sense of humor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's like the perfect kindergarten answer, though. I love that. Yeah, I store my snacks. Like, you're not going to yeah. call me out and make me embarrassed, girl. No. At yeah. five. That's amazing. Yeah. I was also the only one, which I'm still very proud of this to this day. The first one to know their left from right out of necessity, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then in senior kindergarten, it's just stuff like that. So, like, I didn't really notice I was different until these things started happening. Not that my parents like sheltered me or anything, but you're just around the same people all the time. I guess they don't notice anything. So then yeah. in senior kindergarten, and I didn't learn this until quite a few years ago, like and by quite a few years ago, I mean five years ago, okay. the senior kindergarten teacher failed me in gym class. How do you fail a kindergarten in gym? Like, because you failed? weren't able to do the things the other children were doing. That's literally what she said. She's like, she's not keeping up with her peers. My mom's like, her leg is three inches longer than her other leg. She can't cross her legs because it's bigger. And you're going to fail her for that. And honestly, I've learned a lot as I've grown up because I've had to. Mm-hmm. Like, in regard to, like, advocating for myself and stuff like that. But, like, if I knew then what I know now, that would be a lawsuit guaranteed guaranteed I don't know if you know this about me but I'm an educator I'm a teacher and like that blows my mind Mm -hmm. and I think we have come a long way in terms of like education and equity um we don't fail kindergarten kids they don't get grades anymore <laughs> they don't get grades well I don't think no, they don't get any it's grades just comments kindergarten. it's yeah. just comments yeah um but that's just as an educator it just blows my mind that you would have been singled out oh it wasn't just me I think it was just this teacher who had a problem with people because we had this girl come to our class from like I guess another school like I don't know if kindergarten's mandatory here or if like junior kindergarten is in senior, but this was senior kindergarten. And clearly this must've been traumatic for me to remember this vividly. We're sitting around on the carpet and she's talking to this girl and she's like, do you have a hearing problem in front of the whole class? And I'm just like, you know, that's not right. No, you and know. That, like when you're six years old, you know, that's not right. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, Ooh, no. You don't do that to people. So yeah, this teacher was just. Yeah, she was I'd not feeling kindergarten. But yeah. And then I think probably having, you know, been singled out yourself and feeling like you're a little bit different, you were probably also really sensitive to people being treated inequitably. Exactly. Even yeah. though you were only five or six years old. Oh, definitely. Right? Definitely. Like, there's so much I remember from senior kindergarten. Oh, <laughs> that's crazy. She's like, you're painting your Easter egg wrong. And I'm like, what? It's art. Well, it's also yeah. just interesting how far, I think, 
education has come and that's not oh, to say that there's not still like work to be done or whatever, but yeah. I feel like, yeah, like that. I mean, you're not even allowed to give them like a model of what they're supposed to be making anymore, yeah. or at least in, in, in daycare. Yeah. I don't know about for school board. Besides the, the teachers or that particular teacher, did the kids ever say anything to you or comment on your leg being bigger? As I got like older, they did. Okay. And they were ruthless. They would like chase me knowing I couldn't run and bully me. And one kid said, oh, look, your leg's like a mommy leg and a baby leg. In a reference to an A&W burger. Oh. Oh, like the mama burger and the baby mm-hmm. burger? Oh. And a mama burger. Yeah. Right they reference my legs like that and they'd be like shake a leg Sinead I'm like oh that's rude or they'd call me lobby and I'm like that's rude but yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kids but, are so mean. oh yeah they are and I think what's worse I really hope parents aren't like this these days but you'd have parents be like I don't see the issue oh man I'm like probably you don't see the issue because you're the exact same way I think that unfortunately is still the way. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe there. Hopefully, there are less parents like that and families like that. But for everyone's I mean, sake, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that's just not really. That's not okay. So how did like? I mean, so this is probably all through school in various forms, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they didn't want to play with me. They didn't. They're like, oh, it's contagious. You'll get it. I'm like. But yeah, people would bully me all the time and it just like various forms. And honestly, I just like wish, this is so cliche, but like had somebody just punch me in the face or something, I'm like, just get it done with, you know, mm-hmm. just get it done with. Or like even my dad made the joke of like, I came home from school one day. I'm like, nobody wanted to play with me at recess. He's like, so what did you do? And I'm like, I was just throwing a basketball against the wall. And then it hit me square in the face. He's like, oh, so the ball didn't want to play with you either or the wall. And I'm like, God, <laughs> why? Trying to probably just make, sorry, make light of it and get a laugh out of you. That's a right? thing though. That's a totally. bad response. To is. a daughter especially, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But then, like, despite, like, failing gym class because of my leg, apparently, I still made it onto, like, the swim team, the soccer team, which, might I add, we brought home the board championship every year I was on the team. The year I grew out of the team, we did not it as a school. <laughs> I'm just saying. There you go. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it didn't necessarily inhibit you from doing all of the things that you wanted to do oh definitely not definitely not it just made it harder in like a social aspect because nobody wanted to be my friend and like when you have a teacher pointing you out like that too like what a kid especially exactly Mm -hmm. yeah that's what I was thinking um but but so in in being on these teams though I would think that now I didn't play sports so I don't know but um uh but I danced and like that that's your own little like, you know, built in kind of set of, you know, friends. And I'm putting air quotes because you're not always like the best of friends because mm-hmm. you're, you're brought together in that way. But but did you not find any kind of community or or camaraderie within the teams? Not really. No, no. I'd just be like there and everybody else would be like over here. And I'm like, OK, right. OK, I'll do my thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm backing up a little bit. So when you were born, it was yes. known like one There's leg something than the other. there. There's something there. Yeah. So then I guess like, so I was adopted before I turned a year old. Like I was probably like six months old or something. Like officially adopted. Like I think I was already home okay. with my parents and stuff mm-hmm. before that. But like the formal formality mm-hmm. and stuff, I think it was a bit later on. But yeah, so then they got a diagnosis of Klippel-Trenani syndrome. And I had that diagnosis until I was, how old was I? 23? So, but leading up to that, like, it's a degenerative condition. So as you get older, it gets worse. Right. And so, like, fast forward to, like, grade, I don't know, seven, eight. I started, I had to, well, the summer going into grade seven, I had to have like my first major surgery. 
So that kind of put an end to me being able to play sports because they literally like went in and like drilled out my growth plates so my leg wouldn't grow anymore. And so my other leg could catch up. So I still have to be careful about that because like if I fall, like basically if I break my leg or anything on my right side, they can't cast it because it will swell up. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that happened. So then like I got really depressed because like for me, I knew myself as like, oh, I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I can play sports, all this stuff. So then I got really depressed and really fat. I stuffed my face like I stuffed my feelings. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. people made fun of me because I was fat. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. I can't win. I can't win, yeah. I literally cannot. So then as I got older, like, so even like grade seven, grade eight, my health just kept getting worse. So then I became depressed. And then I put on more weight because I was on antidepressants. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. They're not our friend for that. They're not. They're not. You just take whatever works at that point, I guess. Yeah. So then my leg started getting worse. And so part of the condition is like, it looks like a birthmark. It's not a birthmark. It's like an arterial venous malformation. So that's like out of normal cluster of like arteries and veins and capillaries. So those didn't form properly, I guess, before I was born. So that's an issue. So then I bleed out all the time. But this didn't start happening until after. But my skin disintegrated on my foot. Like straight up disintegrated. So like you had like exposed bone? Not quite. But like it was just open wounds. Wow. Yeah. So not only am I like fat now, my foot's open. Everybody's like, oh, it's just athlete's foot. Sick kids told me, it's just athlete's foot. And I'm like, oh. really? So I'm like going back and forth to sick kids now more than ever. Cause I've always been like in touch with sick kids and they're trying to like, here, use this cream. And then they give me a burn cream. Cause I guess like it's for wound healing. And I'm like, why is it called flamazine? If it's for burns, it's concerning. They're like, don't ask questions. I'm like, I make a valid point though. Come on. Yeah. So then I graduate elementary school I go into high school and that's like when my health went downhill like so bad that Christmas ruined it my family came from Australia ruined family Christmas for everyone I'm like aren't you glad you paid so much money to come here for me to just be a bitch this whole time Mm. and so then after that my mom and my aunt basically staged a sit-in in the ER at sick kids until they did something for me because at this point like my foot's clearly infected Everyone's like, oh, it's not that big an issue. Just take these oral antibiotics, which aren't working. All this stuff. I'm in grade nine. I've now missed most. Like, obviously, school starts September. I was there most of September. But I was away a lot as well because I had appointments. So I didn't make friends. So, like, grade nine is, like, when everybody, like, finds their people. Didn't have an opportunity to do that. And then after, so then I stopped basically going to school around November. Then Christmas happened. We did the sit-in after Christmas. And finally, they're just, one doctor's like, just remove the affected extremities. They're just Casual. Like, re- remove? Like amputate like, my leg. Amputation, yeah. Or my foot. My mom's like, uh, no. That doesn't seem like, it there might like be another option. Big jump, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. like tr- maybe there's more you can try before we get there. Yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. So then we got hooked up with like a clinic like the dermatology clinic or something and they had plastics come in and when I tell you having to leave sick kids when I turned 20 which is older than most oh crushing my plastic surgeon there amazing 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 so he came in and basically said he's like no this is what we're going to do laid out a game plan Mm -hmm. so then I'd go in like twice a week or once a week can't remember exactly for conscious sedation because we're now at the point I can't even look at my foot without crying I can't yeah. wash it because it's like a massive open wound. Oh my gosh. And they had to go in and like debride it. So like take blades, cut out dead skin. So conscious sedation, let me tell you, if you want to deter your kids from drinking or doing drugs ever, hit them up with that. I've never heard this term okay, before. So basically mm-hmm. they half knock you out, but you hallucinate super bad. Oh, Okay it's like an intense time so I like don't drink I don't do anything and that's probably why right. I'm terrified so I did that and then that wasn't working so then I got admitted to hospital and I ended up staying there a year and a half 
Straight. That is a long stay. Because of your foot. My foot's infected. They took me back and forth to the OR, did surgery on it to try to heal this. I got skin graft. That didn't work. And so I had to be on bed rest as well. Now, is this considered a, like a, a symptom or as a result of the condition you were diagnosed with? Or they don't know why this is happening at this point? It could have been, but they've never seen it happen before. But it's, and because it's such a Well, yeah, like, oh, I'll get condition. to that. I'll get yeah, okay. to that. So then <laughs> these wounds just keep getting worse. And they're like, okay, well, we've reached a point where we got some healing happening. And so like in there a year and a half, I didn't go home for my birthday. I didn't go home for Christmas. I didn't go home for Easter, Mother's Day, Father's Day, nothing. nothing. I didn't breathe outside air for eight months. <gasps> Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, and this is before social media. So you thought I was depressed before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And then on bed rest, and then they're like, "You need protein to heal. Here, drink more chocolate milk." And then again, more. I was like, yeah. almost four hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, does nobody see this happening? But I'm so depressed at this point. It's whatever. Yeah. Oh my. God. So then. Well, when you're I get supposed of- to be trusting the adults that are caring for you right? because you're still a kid. Exactly. You know, like, I don't blame them. It is what it is. They generally thought it would work, mm-hmm. but it didn't. So then I go home and it's like back to school, but I'm not allowed to go back to school. So they were like, you have to be homeschooled because it's not safe. If anybody hits your foot, you could bleed out and die you could ruin whatever progress we've made, et cetera, et cetera. So then I'm homeschooled. Let me tell you, homeschooling does like a toll on your mental health. Yeah. Like all your friends, like, like I said, this is before social media. This is before people really had cell phones, like proper cell phones. It was like, let me hit it like seven times to get like one letter. So like I'm disconnected from my whole world. And I'd like to add that when I was in hospital, my friends came to visit me once, once. Mm-hmm. Granted, we were all pretty young. So it's not like they're going to like hop on the subway by themselves and come down. But I'm like, isolated from everything and everyone. And I'm like, oh, this is rough. This yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So then I go to be homeschooled. Finally end up being able to go back to school, like end of grade 11, early grade 12. I have no friends at school. Somebody tried to push me down the stairs in my wheelchair. That's a thing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Then came back the whole thing of like, oh, don't go near her. You'll catch what she has. And I'm like, doesn't work like that. And you think by this point, kids are older and they are kind of past that cooties phase where you're just going to catch anything. Mm-hmm. Like you think they would not even like COVID times. better. Like, it's not even COVID. Time. Yeah. Exactly. No. And I think one of the hardest things for me was people I had been friends with in elementary school from like grade one wouldn't talk to me either so you were a pariah oh essentially yeah 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 so then somehow like in between all this I'd still be going back and forth and staying in hospital for like weeks and months at a time how I managed to graduate on time is beyond me because I'm pretty sure I was like on stuff like pain medication the whole time (laughs) and I don't remember a lot of it like being in hospital they make you do school in hospital like as if I'm not already like why am I like this? Like, why am I here? Like, I feel like shit. Why are you having this guy come in and try to teach me? When I tell you I fake slept through many a lesson, I would not be lying. (laughs) You can hear for school and I'm like, I'm here for a nap. (laughs) Until you go away. Right? But but it's kind of, I mean, I don't know what the ad term it, but like you failed kindergarten, but then you still graduated, even though- you were sleeping it was like very disjointed (laughs) oh totally I'm like everything like when people are like oh it all works out in the end I'm like I guess (laughs) but then so like I've learned in my life never say oh it can't get any worse oh it can never say that like knock on wood because anytime I say that bad things happen Mm -hmm. and obviously they have to happen in threes so (laughs) I graduate high school and around that same time well no they kept me in sick kids because my condition was so rare like normally they, they're starting to kick kids out of sick kids at 16 now mm-hmm. crazy to me so my first ever experience in an adult hospital 
was through the ER because I had an infection. So I get infections a lot. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, at this point, my foot's still like open, like crazy wounds and stuff, like almost a hole, like straight through my foot. My toe on the bottom was like concave because like it had disintegrated. It's a whole thing. And literally, when I say I was gaslit by the healthcare system, it's the reason to this day. I could like have an infection and I'm like, oh no, it's fine. My mom's like, your foot's really red. And I say, you know, but you know what? It's fine. This is just inflammation. Cause that's what I was told for years and years and years and they wouldn't treat it. So like the first time I was in hospital in the adult hospital, keep in mind, I'm coming from sick kids, which is you you get a private room. Your parents can stay with you. Also kind of going back my mom had to leave me when I was in sick kids. Like she stayed for six months straight. She's like, I need to leave. Right. But honestly, that's probably the greatest thing she could have ever done for me. Cause I know so many people with conditions like this and their parents stay with them. I'm like, you're crippling your child. Mm-hmm. Like you need to learn how to be alone. Cause when you die, you know, when your parents yeah. die, you're, you're and alone. you need to learn how to advocate for yourself. Like yeah, at, exactly. at some point you have to kind of take on some responsibility for your own health, your own, right? Like, autonomy. And yeah, stuff. And exactly. like, yeah. yeah. And if you're, you're living with some kind of condition that puts you in the medical medical system, often mm-hmm. you have to learn what you need to do for yourself. Exactly. And so like, that's another great thing about sick kids though. They, they teach you that. However, when you get to the adult system, they don't want to hear any of it. They're like, oh no, we know what we're doing. I'm like, do you go? So I was admitted. The first admission I had, we were in the ER. Like my mom came with me, thank God. And I was in the ER for 36 hours. And they were debating if my foot was infected or not. And I'm like, okay. So then they admit me. And you're 20 at this yeah. point? Okay. Yeah. Never been in an adult hospital, never had to do any of this. And so basically from then, because like they kept being like, oh, your foot's signed now. You had two days of antibiotics. I'm like, this is nothing. This is like in sick kids, if I had an infection, it would be at least a week of antibiotics by IV. Mm-hmm. And they're like not getting this. I'm like, well, this is the protocol for me. They're like, no, it's not. It's fine. So I'd go out, like they discharge me. I'd be back the next week because like my foot's even worse. And, and that just kept happening. Oh yeah. For years and years and years and years. They'd leave like, like I had nurses rip dressings off my open wounds in the ER. They're like, and like that hurts. Like it's not a cut. It's like a straight up, like you have stuff stuck in that and they're ripping it off. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. So then there's that. And basically I got to the point, I'm like, I- I'd like rather be dead right now than like do this constantly what do you do I I went to patient relations are you ready for this they gave me a sign to put in my room that says be nice or go home that was their solution (laughs) did it wait that was supposed to to deal with the other patients that were attacking no the staff the staff staff? were like essentially abusing me too so this it was a sign to say to the staff be nice or go home from a patient to like a nurse or doctor or doctor right yeah yeah. Yeah. like that's their solution like let's not deal with the problem here let's just give you a sign and be like be on your way yeah it's it's crazy which which then now is like a signal to the people who come in to say oh by the way this one's been complaining about you oh yeah okay so yeah if you advocate this is the thing like sick kids teaches you to advocate for yourself if you advocate for yourself in the adult system after coming out of sick kids they label you as difficult so yeah so you're literally like this is what works for me I am allergic to this. We can't use this kind of dressing. No, it's fine. That might've just been a one-off thing. No, it's not. They put it on my foot. And because you're being difficult, difficult and I'm doing that in quotations, quote, quote. I know yeah. not everyone can see me, then it's like they can then dismiss what you're saying. Or it's their word against mine. Like you're just being, you're just being difficult. You're You're not really allergic to this. You don't really have this amount of pain or you don't really whatever. Yeah. Right. Like you're exaggerating. She's just difficult. Mm -hmm. We can ignore her. 
So yeah. how do you take, well, maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves in the story. Oh, it gets better. So I switched my care from said hospital to my now, what I call it, an island of hope in a sea of sameness, Markham Soville, and they've been fantastic. So I started going to their ER, all this stuff. So after I'm at this hospital downtown, they have like a vascular doctor. He's like, I literally can't do anything for you. I'm going to refer you to Boston Children's Hospital. So then I go to Boston. They're like, oh, surprise, you don't actually have that condition. They've told you for 23 years you have. You have an even rarer condition. Oh my God. And it will probably kill you. And yeah, we can't really do much. There's not really anything out there for you. Just like manage it. Just manage it. Yeah. Wow. As things crop what up. A, what goes through your mind? Oh, I just started crying. So at this point, I've like joined this like support community of people that have the condition I thought I had. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, they're going to disown me. They're going to kick me out. And I'd become like an advocate in that community as well. So like, this is like what I'm thinking. And I'm not one to like be at a loss for words. Like three solid days, I couldn't speak. Like I'd open my mouth and I'd just cry. We went out to dinner that night and I had to point at a menu as if I were nonverbal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, like I'm, you've been fighting for yourself and advocating for yourself for this, this thing that you like, like mm-hmm. it or not is, is a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And they're telling you, no, huh, sorry. Yeah. It's and like then you find your belonging within that community is the other thing I'm thinking, yeah. right? It's yeah. like you found a place where you do belong and you are accepted. And now there's- I have gone to Minnesota. I went to Minnesota for the big conference. There's a big conference every two years. We went to Minnesota. My mom had to get a freaking visa to go because she's not a citizen. Like that's commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and amongst all of this, okay, so amongst everything I'm going through, my mom, like, it was literally, like, I'm not one for subtlety. Don't try to say something subtle to me because it's over my head. Mm -hmm. I was in hospital, and I was like, oh, I'm just going for some tests. And I'm like, oh, okay. Great. On my birthday, she gets diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, my God. On my 22nd birthday. <laughs> and to add insult to her so injury, I'm like, no. In the process of this, when the, then you get your new diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. So then she, like, we had to, like, delay the trip to Boston because she was doing chemo and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we finally go. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. And we come back with that. And we're, like, processing this. And, oh, what a doozy. So, like, basically, they told us, like, these are the differences between these two conditions. Like, with your condition this is why you have open wounds because like the way the capillaries and arteries and veins all are supposed to connect it skips oxygen skips it so that therefore it can't like reach the surface level or something that's why you don't heal and i'm like okay what i'm still like information yeah 10 years ago right and then like this doctor I had, not the plastic surgeon, God bless him. He was the best doctor ever. Like he'd come in it when you're admitted for rounds, have to wake you up to check on you. And he would literally tuck you back into bed. Oh, but this isn't the doctor I'm talking about. This other one was like, no, you need to wear compression. You need to wear compression because part of the condition is lymphedema. But that's not what was going on with you. Oh no, it is. But because I have arterial involvement. So basically the blood flow to my foot is so intense to put compression on that is actually dangerous. So he's telling me for years, put compression on it, put compression. The new hospital, after I've left sick, it put compression. That's your problem. That's why it's not healing. Only to find out. That's so like you have this thing called an ankle brachial index. So it has to be in a certain range. If it's over a certain range or under a certain range, it's not safe. I'm like four times over the normal range. And they're like, this wow. is causing you more issues. You got to stop with compression. Yeah. I'm like, I told you I wasn't doing anything. <laughs> so they difficult. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. So then I'm like, my mobility is going downhill. All this stuff is going downhill. And I'm like, let's get a service dog to help me. And so we go get this poodle to be my service dog, send him away for training. That's a whole nother story. However, he has this innate ability to put pressure on my leg. Heals oh, no. the wounds. Heals the dog wounds. healed the wounds. 
in three weeks. What gave you the idea of a service dog? Uh, it was more like with my mobility declining and stuff. I'm like, oh, this could be really helpful. Like picking things up if I'm in too right. much pain, stuff like that. Okay. Really? So, so it's not that you thought yeah. it was going to be able to heal your foot. It oh, was more that just was a, never in a help. million years crossed my mind. Right. Never in a million years. Never. Like I had a whole list of things I wanted him to be able to do. Long story short, he came back untrained. Couldn't do those. He healed my foot. No, no, no. I really cursed myself. Like if this is all he ever does, that's great. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Like, but that was huge. Massive. Ma- it's only over, 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 I'm having, is this the King's speech or am I having a stroke? It only ever opened once since then. Wow. Yeah. Since you've had a service dog. Yeah. And it had been open for over a decade. Yeah. In fact, I still get infections and stuff, but it's not open. Right. That mm-hmm. is wild, actually. It really is. Is um, that is, is this like something like, did you look into it further? Is this like something that has come out, like happened with service animals before or just never? I don't know. Like, that's crazy. It's never happened, but to my knowledge. Yeah. Like they can be trying to put pressure on you because like a lot of people with PTSD, which I have yeah, as a result of many things in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poster child over here. How many things can you go through before you have PTSD? Let me count. Oh, like Sesame yeah. Street, but not. <laughs> um, so people can like have them for putting pressure on them to ground them. And yeah. it's just like scientifically proven. It's like the whole weighted blanket thing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, That's what I was just going to say, like a weighted blanket. Yeah, exactly. So then basically we went through a situation with him he had to retire he started having seizures and um we connected with msar service dogs in winnipeg and they're like okay you're not going to get a dog that doesn't shed like you need a dog to retrieve things it's going to have to be some sort of retriever so Mm -hmm. we went through three different dogs and the third one we settled on was foreman but you know who is your current service dog right god yeah he's fantastic yeah. And we will, um, we'll definitely share some pictures of him. Um, yeah, he's great. He doesn't like wearing yeah. hats like Paddington, but <sighs> he's still I'm, I've had way. many dogs in my life and none of them have ever liked wearing any clothes. So <laughs> oh, Paddington loves it. So between like all this stuff, like basically the day that I was re-diagnosed, I vowed, I'm like, I swear to God, I'm going to do everything in my power to never, to make sure no one ever feels this shitty. Mm-hmm. like this shitty because like I'm like my whole sense of self my whole like just yeah. when I thought I lost my sense of self when I couldn't play sports anymore I'm like oh this is way worse than that yeah yeah let's like stuff our face like we stuff our feelings but just don't talk about it because you can't talk without crying yeah the whole thing but you know so then I like really got into like the advocacy stuff especially with what happened with Paddington and now, I now just clarify Paddington was your poodle he, he, he still is. Dog. He yeah. is alive and well. well. Well is questionable mentally. In your home? Is he still alive in your home? Or? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But he's retired from being your service dog. Yes. Now he's yes. just your pet. Yes. Big okay. difference. People, yeah. big yes. difference. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. so even when Paddington was still working, like that's when I became a Rick Hansen Foundation ambassador and he'd come to my presentations with me and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, a dog. Uh. And now I go around like advocating for service dogs, the Rick Hansen Foundation. Mm. I've spoken at Parliament Hill. I've spoken at Queens Park about accessibility and mental health, all that fun stuff that mm. might not always be so fun, but somebody has to do it. And I think I like, or it's interesting to me that you touch on the mental health piece, because I think that sometimes when people have, you know, a physical disability or they have medical issues happening, that the mental health piece is kind of overlooked. Oh, 100%. You can't go through something medically, like physically, without it impacting mental health. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're lying to you and themselves. Right. As harsh as that sounds, like how how can you not? I mean, it has to. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Having to spend any period of time, I would think, in a hospital mm-hmm. for anything 
has got to have an impact on your mental health. Like the fact that you did not go outside for eight months, like that's crazy to me. It's pretty crazy. And yeah. I like I'm framing. You get it more like, fresh air in jail. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you is would. True. I'm sure of it. You do. I think. <laughs> I think they have to be provided time outside, like every day. Yeah. Something. I mean, I'm not, I don't know anything about the prison system. I'm just guessing from, you know, movies. Um, yeah, that's, that's my <laughs> all mine I think they get too. like an hour. Because they, but... they always tell the truth in movies. Um, okay. If anybody totally. knows the actual answer to this, you are welcome to uh, comment send us tell an us email or wrong. comment. Yep, tell us. But Definitely. according to the movies, you get one hour outside every day. <laughs> <laughs> Rain or shine. Movies yeah. are always factual too. Totally. You never know. I'm just, I'm framing this and I think it's just because of where we are like, like in time right now with COVID and, and this is like my everyday people are like, how are you coping? I'm like, fine. This is my life all the time. But but, but what I'm thinking is like probably people that are in hospital or have COVID, like they're not allowed to go outside. No, they're not. So people are like more, more people I would think are now are being kind of put into conditions similar to what you were, which is deplorable as far as I'm concerned that you had to go through (laughs) it and then people are now, but because of COVID has that like, I mean, you've got a really good outlook and sense of humor, it seems um, about all of it. Yeah, I would think you do, but has this kind of like made you more scared or more aware or like if you do need to go be in hospital or has it has it provide like changed your life more than obvious the obvious ways it's changed everyone's lives I'm definitely more scared because like for instance in November I ended up in the ER and so um Foreman actually alerted me that something was wrong with me because that's what he does and he was like nudging at my chest nudging at my chest and this happened before and I'm like no it's a pandemic Foreman this can't be happening Mm -hmm. and so I go in they can't find anything wrong with me and I'm like this is an issue my dog is telling me I probably have a blood clot in my lungs Mm-hmm. and I'm allergic to CT contrast because of course why don't I have more problems there we go right. so I have to pre-medicate for a CT then go the next day for a CT scan and it's inconclusive so then they have to do another scan which is a VQ scan which like looks at the tiny like veins and stuff in your lungs I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they ca- it came back like I had multiple pul- pulmonary embolism so blood clots in my lungs yeah. in both lungs oh my God. so I'm like can I just like deal with this at home? Is there any way to do that? Or do I have to be admitted? They're like, it's up to you. If you want to go deal with this at home, feel free. But like most people would be admitted. I'm like, great. Just write me a prescription. I'm out. Bye. So like most people like you have blood clots in your lungs. Those kill like people like millions of times a year. And I'm like, I have multiple in both lungs. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'll go home. And so this is because of before. because of COVID. You're like, I'm not staying here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Totally. It's I mean, happened I, before. I and because of COVID. Yeah. Like I've had infections as well. I had um a minor stroke. Was it in the summer? When was it? In the past year. And again, I'm like, I'd rather not stay here. I'll just go home. It's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. That's like Can my you mouth is like numb. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that Foreman helps you with oh sure sure it's like one of my favorite topics so (laughs) Borman was trained by the Israeli military so a school in Israel with all like retired Israeli soldiers and stuff and he was trained in partnership with MSAR in Winnipeg so basically he's trained to do everything from detect blood clots infections um heart rate fluctuations blood pressure fluctuations he's trained for mobility tasks so like if I drop something most of the time he'll pick it up not tonight <laughs> not he's tonight not if it's he's your phone <laughs> not if exactly. it's your phone and after nine <laughs> exactly he's like girl I took my bra off for the day aka my harness I am done um <laughs> he is able to like like I said retrieve stuff so like if you want something from the fridge he could go get you a drink from the fridge it's pretty great. He can carry things. So that's really helpful. Like if I'm using my walker or like if mm-hmm. my arm swelled up because of lymphedema, he'll just carry stuff for me. He's trained to wake me up in the middle of the night. If I bleed out, 
He can go get medical supplies for me because if I'm bleeding out, like I said before, I can't get up because I could yes. literally bleed to death. Mm-hmm. So he's saved my life like so many times. Well, and it sounds like what the story you're referencing in November, he he can sense things before you even realize something's amiss, yeah. which is likely, I would think, why your health has never been in a better place, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I will say though, like like I said, life is weird. I'd been the most active I had ever been, and I still got pulmonary embolism. <laughs> yeah. So all those people are like, oh, you're going to get a blood clot if you don't exercise. I'm like, that's a lie. <laughs> I exercised and I got it. It happened anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he was on it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so amazing that you found something that gives you so much relief. And even exactly. I think just the the mental weight that you must have carried about Mm-hmm. When is the next infection coming? You know, am I going to, am I going to know, is there going to be a blood clot? Like now you have a dog to kind of take some of that pressure, I guess, off of you. I don't know. Am I making that up? No, that's totally accurate. And it's not like, like, I don't know. Like I heard your podcast, like both of yours, like your episodes and stuff. And other Thanks for listening. Like, of course, obviously. <laughs> and like, got to support local. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's not just me it's like when you go through something like that you're not the only one that's impacted mm-hmm. so it's like my like even to this day like I don't let my parents see me like if I'm getting an IV or something I'm like no no you can just go get a coffee that's also how the lady slapped me because my mom wasn't there right but I'm not bitter I'm not holding on to that <laughs> um, so it's like giving all of us back a bit of independence yeah. me my parents don't have to worry so much yeah you no know, like if I'm bleeding out like are they gonna find me dead in my bed because yes. I bled out so much you don't want th- I mean nobody wants that right right no it's like sorry can't recoup the mattress <laughs> I would think they might have more thoughts on it than that <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave them the business number of them. This is Spalding Decon. They will clean it top to bottom. Yes, <laughs> they can. Just please make sure my scalp doesn't attach itself to the mattress and I'm not there that long if I'm dead. Oh, gosh. Ah. Oh, that is yeah. just a little morbid. <laughs> You're talking to the girl who wanted to be a funeral director from the time she was eight years old. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know where that came from, but like we we have a lot of family friends who are old and they've all died. So maybe that's it. But I'm also like, I'm not afraid to die. Right. I don't know. But there's that, yeah. So like if I didn't have foreman, guarantee you, I would have died last year. Like Mm -hmm. guaranteed between bleeding out, blood clots in the lungs, infections. Like, and the greatest thing is he can stay with me in hospital. Because, because he's, he's a service, service dog. dog. Exactly. When you take him to the hospital and you say, my dog's alerting me, do they take that seriously? They yeah, do. I was wondering that too. Yeah, I've gotten they that do. question on TikTok a lot now that my dog's TikTok famous. Yes. Foreman is yeah. TikTok famous. What is Foreman's TikTok handle? It's my handle for everything. Her life in four, like number four yeah. paws. Okay. Her it's life in great. four paws. Yeah. Her yeah. life in four paws. Exactly. So like, dog, like thankfully, because I go to a smaller hospital. When you're in there as much as me, like in the ER, you basically get the same doctors every time. So right. most of them have actively seen him alert me to something. Right. Gotcha. And they're like, okay, who are we to argue with this? And then obviously yeah. they corroborate it with like my blood pressure being taken or like right. a yeah. scan or something, but they do trust him. Yeah. But it's kind of messed up. I mean, I guess you already were, had been going to this hospital and had had some success at this hospital. It would be interesting to know at your previous hospital, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Cause they're probably like, would they have been from as down receptive? on Queen street, mm-hmm. you know, like, no, it's just like lack of like empathy, like continuity of care, like nothing, nothing. And I'm like, Oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. Yeah. And yet you do. I know. <laughs> you are. You figured out You're a way. doing to do. it. Yeah. I'm also eligible for euthanasia. So like, don't tempt me. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, maybe I have a lot of questions about the service dog. I'm sorry. Um, 
I have all the answers. Yeah, I know. When you, so I know someone else who has a, a service dog and she has said that sometimes she has had some negative experiences kind of going into stores, shopping malls, um, that kind of thing. And I'm just wondering, like, if there was something that people should know about service dogs, like, what would you think they need to know and understand? I don't have my dog with me because I want to have my dog with me. I think that's a huge thing that people don't get. And it's so cliche. Everybody uses this example. But if you wouldn't grab somebody's cane from them, why would you touch somebody's dog? Like, The other thing is that, you know, how I I just can't, maybe because it's me, but I can't fathom putting my want, emphasis on the word want, to touch somebody's dog over their legitimate need to have this with them. And people do that all the time. All the time. I'm like, he misses an alert. I could be dead. And that sounds dramatic, but it's not. So it's like, well, but they're, they're working. They're work. Like I'm, I have kids and we have dogs um, and they love dogs. But if we ever see a dog with like a harness or a vest or something that indicates that they are a service animal, mm-hmm. like, you know, no, that, that dog is working. That is not a pet that is, you know, that that's helping that person. And the thing is, it's never kids. It's adults. So it's always Adults are always worse. And they're like, I know I shouldn't. And I'm like, yet yeah, here we are. Like, you I know you shouldn't. Slapped, I don't. slapped a, hand, a lady's hand away. I'm like, no, I don't think so. Or like, I, we were at Costco well, in Ajax. Another way, so another way to look at it, though, is like, okay, say you don't respect that it's a service dog. Would you just touch someone's kid? Exactly. exactly. Right? Somebody touched a kid feel on somebody, Like... And it's actually, depending on what kind of service dog you have, there, if you, like, I had, like, a kid try to kick Foreman, not Foreman, Paddington in a Walmart. I'm like, oh. What people don't get is, like, it's, like, a federal offense, last I checked, to maim or harm a service animal. And there's actually also fines um, for establishments. If you, like, interfere with a dog, that's working you can be fined like ten thousand dollars wow wow like we were in costco and these ladies like cornered us into like the freezer and they're like like it's like i'm not even there it's just the dog and it's like that's even worse like acknowledge that i'm a person Mm -hmm. and i'm like and they're like talking to him like please don't distract my service dog she called me a c-word I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I don't have the depth for that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm also not (laughs) warm. I'm very cold hearted. I think also, like, I'm just listening to you and thinking about service dogs and kind of my prior knowledge and stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of people still think of service dogs as helping people who are visually impaired. Absolutely. People always still think that. And that's it. Uh-huh. And then if you see a service dog who's not with someone who appears to be visually impaired, then maybe they're just training the dog. Like, oh, I get that all the time. They don't. Oh, isn't it going to be hard when you have to give them up? I'm like, no, it's my dog. Then they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, uh, that's invasive. Yeah. And again, it goes back to the whole thing. Like even in hospital, and like now. I'm one of the people who can speak up for themselves. There are so many people out there who, whether they have anxiety and that's why they need a dog or something like that, they might not be able to speak up for themselves. So when I do, I make it very clear. Yeah. Somebody asked me what was wrong with me. I'd be like, I don't know. What's wrong with you? (laughs) No, I had somebody be like, you don't look sick. I'm like, well, you don't look well, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I guess you have to kind of come up with these sort of one-liners because you're put in situations like this and, and what do you do? Right. Like I literally have a patch. I keep it on my backpack for when I travel because like, I don't like putting it on him because it's not as professional, but it just says service dog working 
like it's a circle and then in the middle there's a stop sign it says stop handler bites <laughs> like yeah i do don't get too close don't get too close yeah but people well, still have the image of like somebody who's blind or visually impaired and yeah. again you shouldn't be touching those dogs either the thing is people are more likely like i have seen this out in public because somebody's blind they're like oh they're not going to notice and like besides besides distracting a dog in the moment that people don't get that undoes a lot of their training because they are trained to not solicit attention from people in public yeah so like a lot of the times people might get their dog for free which there are charities that do that i didn't get my dog for free we had to raise the money out of pocket Mm -hmm. it was like thirty-five thousand dollars. that's not covered at all considering we have proven a service dog could help me when like OHIP paid for me to go to Boston mm-hmm. because the doctor declared they couldn't do anything. Like, why isn't there funding if you can prove this is helpful? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of how much money the province has saved with me not having to be in hospital. Yeah, I was so just going to say, it's like a financial yeah. win, basically, for the health And system. as you were kind of, I think when you sort of started your story off and you were talking about being adopted and you're like, you know, in a way it's been beneficial that I was adopted because your adoptive family had more means to be able to help with some of this stuff. You think of all of the people who maybe need a service dog that don't have $35,000. That is so much money. And I, I understand that like, there's so much training that goes into them and that costs money. Mm-hmm. right to have a high level service dog who's that well trained but that the government isn't helping exactly it's really That's messed tough. up and like part of the problem is there's no standard either so then right. people are being screwed over left right and center because anybody could just open up shop and be like oh i'm a service dog trainer now and like take your money and run <sighs> Don't give people ideas. Oh, those are those ideas. <laughs> They're are already, already there. Out. They're already there. They're already there, and people are being screwed over. And like, you'd think with wow. any industry where you're dealing with vulnerable people, there'd be right. more like checks and standardization. Not in this industry. I don't think in anything where, unfortunately, where you're dealing with people who have a need and there's a demand and not many people filling it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like when exactly. you think about like the long-term care system and right, vulnerable population to, demand. Well, I, 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 yeah. Well, and I was just gonna. I listened to um a lot of trashy podcasts as well, and there's been a lot of free Britney talk and like that whole. <laughs> but that whole conservatorship system, though, mm-hmm. is primed to take advantage of people. Exactly. Like, you know, I think that's obviously a more extreme case, but but well, people do that with their kids all the time. Thing. Yeah, like I've known of, I don't know them, but I've heard of people who have had like kids with developmental disabilities. They just commit them to the province, so they don't have to do anything. And then, like one person I heard of, they cashed the checks, like their like disability checks. Wow. Yeah, for yeah, for I the mean, person who's like in the care of the province. I'm like, how is that possible? Money can make people do very weird things, very weird things. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, we talked about so many things, like there's so, there's so much going on. I'm sorry. It was all. No, 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 no. No. It's not about that. You've had a lot. You've lived through a lot. You have overcome a lot to get to the, to where you are now. It's all about helping other people now. Well, and then that's so amazing. If people want to, like, are there charities that can help get people service dogs or like, you know, are there, does the Rick Hansen Foundation help with things like that? Or They do not, unfortunately. They do not, okay. Trust me, I hit them up. Like, hey, do you get personal grants? And they're like, no, sorry. <laughs> but it's even hard. Like, like, like I said, we had to fundraise for my dog. Yeah. Like who has 35 grand to just like be like, okay, here, hand it over. Right. Mm-hmm. So like we had to, I had to bust my ass to fundraise. We did bake sales. We did go fund me. We did all this stuff. And like, I hate to say it. Like, I really hate to say this. This is one of the things that sucks about having such a rare disease. 
Like people hear cancer, they're like, oh, here's some money. They throw it at you. Here's like, oh, I have cystic fibrosis. I have epilepsy. Throw the money at the cause. There's like, foundations for all of those things. Exactly. Right. There's nothing for this. There's an international support group, but who runs it? Me. Right. So like, you run an international support group for people with the same condition. What, yeah, is the, what is your condition called? Oh, oh, well, probably should have started that. It's called Parks Weber Syndrome. Okay. And, and so, yeah. how many people are in the group? Like, how rare is this, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at? There is an estimated less than 800 people in the world with it. Wow. It's, like, super, super rare. Yeah. yeah. So, like, we have people from Australia. We have people from Italy. We have people from France. We have people from, like, South Africa. Basically, you have an internet connection. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure we have half the population here. That's amazing. (laughs) Because there's so few people that have it. If there's one thing that you think people could take from your story, what would that be? I had this written down because I prepared myself, but now I forget what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'd say take from my story that your voice matters. Like if you see something that's not right, say something. You know, mm-hmm. life's too short to just sit by and just let stuff happen, whether it's to you or to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And find the humor in everything. You're very yeah. good at that. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, for sure. I'd say it's an acquired skill, but I'm not too sure at this point. It's just <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story thank with you, us. Kate. Oh, you're welcome. Hopefully you can like do something with all of this we will (laughs) yeah don't worry (laughs) thanks for listening to now what if you've enjoyed this episode leave us a review your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it and make sure to find us on instagram at now what underscore podcast until next time we're tisha and jen remember your hard times are the chance to write another chapter